I wanted to ask you this morning, what is, it's, it's the 12th of March, we're into the year, we're, we're on the journey, what's the focus for the year this year? Some people thought they knew and they went, oh. Come on, what is it? What's the, what's the theme for the year? Say it loudly, say it strongly like you're convinced. Good, transformation, I'm in the right place. Gosh, you guys are, uh, uh, you're a tough crowd sometimes. I'm, I'm gonna look around and find the familiar faces to at least find some ones that are smiling at me. <laughs> All right, so it's a year of transformation, yeah? So 2023, year of transformation. I wanna ask you the question, what does that look like? And it's very interesting, I didn't talk to Corey about this beforehand, so the fact that he brought up what Pastor Brian said on Thursday, training is really good, about open heaven. What does transformation look like? What does this year, transformation in your life, look like? And I want you to start to think about this. So what does it look like personally? What does it look like for us corporately? What does it look like for our community? Because transformation is not meant to be an individualistic solo thing. Amen? So we need to be able to see what transformation looks like in our mind's eye. Otherwise, our, our mind will reject it. And, and there's things that are in our heart that will begin to short circuit what God wants to do in and through us. So I want to talk about that a bit this morning. If there's a title to the message this morning, it's our heart. That's good. A whole bunch of people put their head down and wrote something down. That's good. Well trained. If we just look with our natural eyes or think about it with our natural mind, we, we can't see much. You know, if, we, if we look at things with our natural mind, often what we do is we see all the problems. We see all the obstacles. We see all the difficulties, all the things that we need to overcome. But when we begin to look with the eyes of faith, you begin to look past all that. You know, we sung about this morning when we wait on God, and I know Pastor Brian would have talked about this here, not, uh, you know, go to the doctors and wait. And some doctors, you wait longer than others. Not looking at anyone, Libby. But it's not that kind of waiting. It's, it's active. It's entwining ourselves with God. So we sung about it. It says, well, when, when we wait on him, we rise up. And Corey read that scripture. We rise up like an eagle. So when we capture what well, it's in the heart of God for us, what's, what's transformation look like? You know, it's a prayerful consideration. It's, it's, it's asking God. It's saying, God, what does transformation look like in my life in 2023? what you have for me. What is it that's in your heart for me this year? And begin to see with that because we've got to look with the possibilities. Got to look at the possibilities. Your natural mind, my natural mind will look at the limitations and the struggles, but we've got to look with the eyes of faith, amen? I want to say to you this morning, beware of dissenting voices that will rob your faith. And we're thinking about all those people in our life. But you know what? Sometimes it's external, but more often than not, it's internal. Internal voices that want to begin to rob us of what God says. If you and I rely on our natural mind, there's a great line. I don't know if you, um, many of you are movie watchers, but I love... I used to love, they've changed it now, they've gone all woke, but I used to love the whole Marvel Avengers thing. There's a great line in the Avengers movie. He says, don't, listen, don't, don't focus on him. His mind is a bag full of cats. You can smell crazy on him. <laughs> right? And sometimes we are all just like that. If we operate out of our natural mind, we get all sorts of stupid ideas. To all those married men, you thank you, Jesus, for our wives this morning. Because when we get a stupid idea, our wife goes, nah. <laughs> so if we operate by our natural mind, it, it will take us down a path. 
But if we operate by our heart or our spirit, we begin to pick up the heart of God. It begins to lead us down a different path. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Not as many as are led by our natural thinking. An actual fact that goes on in Romans 12 to say we've got to be renewed in our thinking, transformed by the renewing of our mind. Why? Because your natural mind and my natural mind on its own is dangerous. It opposes God. It opposes what God wants to do. So we've got to begin to understand what does transformation look like? Amen? How are we going to get there? How are we going to get there? Well, God will just do it. Will he? I want to be real clear this morning. Transformation is a God thing. You and I can't make it happen. You and I can't force it to happen. God, God causes transformation to take place. But we can position ourselves well. Amen? So I want to ask you a question. What steps are you going to take to see transformation take place in your life? So what are, what are the things that you're going to do this year to position yourself for transformation? I want you to think about that this morning. So, so we can begin to position ourselves for transformation to take place, right? So transformation is a God thing, but we can position ourselves. I heard something interesting the other day. It wasn't a biblical thing. It was just on a show. It wasn't even, I don't even know how scientifically it was correct, but it sounds good, so I'm going to say it. This guy, he said when he was a boy, he saw a, a caterpillar beginning to break out of the cocoon. And he said it looked like it was struggling to break out and get out of the cocoon. So he helped it to, to break free. And then over time, it became a butterfly. But it, it, ne- it could never fly because he'd helped it. He'd assisted it because he thought it was struggling. It never went through the process that needed to go through to enable flight to be developed on the inside. So it became what it was called to be, but it couldn't fly. And I think that's really interesting because I want to say, we're talking about the heart this morning. I want to say right from the outset, struggle in life is meant to be part of our process. If you've been invited to to the altar, if you've been invited to invite Christ into your life and someone told you that if you invited Christ into your life, it'll be a bed of roses and it'll all go well with you, you've been sold a lie. Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where everything is opposing what God wants to do in and through you and me. And, And so struggle Yes, that's right. It's, it's it's a struggle. So 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 we keep working through. We keep uh, plowing through. We keep overcoming. You see, here come the Bible says you are more than conquerors. He calls us overcomers. How can we be an overcomer if we don't overcome anything? You see, every time you know I've heard it said that God put the mountains there for us to conquer. Sometimes it feels like oh. Not another mountain. And we all feel like that at times. But God put them there because when we, when we step on it, when we begin to rise, when we begin to climb that mountain and, and, and make it through, we begin to overcome. And there's a, it's not that we've achieved something. It's God, God's done something in us. You see, see, through my life, I've learned that the mountains and the valleys have made me. I am the man I am today because of what God's taken me through and the things that I've had to overcome. And, I, and, and if, you, if you want a scriptural uh, reference, Joseph. I've heard it said, could Joseph have achieved the, the call that God had placed on his life if he hadn't have been sold into slavery by his brothers? If he hadn't have been falsely accused and put into prison? And all of those things God used them to form and shape his life so that when the day arrived for him to step up and stand up, he was the man that he needed to be 
to, be, to, to answer the call. So what's happening in your life and my life today is making us so that we are the person that we need to be tomorrow. But we've got to go through the process. If we try and circumnavigate the process, if we try and avoid the struggle, then we can be like that caterpillar that came out the other end and we have all the form of godliness, like it says in the Bible, but don't have the power. We, we, we have a, 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 a look and it seems like we've, we've grown, but we can't fly. God's called you to fly. So we're talking about our heart this morning. We haven't talked about our heart yet. That was a little joke, but never mind. The Word of God is like a seed and our hearts are the ground for it to be planted in. We need to ensure our heart is good ground. The Bible is really clear about our heart. We know, if you've been around for any length of time, you know Matthew 13 talks about the parable of the sower. And it talks about the different grounds that the, that the seed was sown in. Hey, there's a, a, there's, a, there's a couple of verses in 2 Samuel chapter 23 that talks about, it's talking about David's mighty men. And one of them was crazy enough to face a troop of the Philistines on his own in a field of lentils. Now, I don't know, I never cared much for lentils. As you get older, you sort of start to care for things that you never used to when you were younger. But he stood that ground, stood his ground in that field and defended that field from the whole uh, troop of Philistine army. Now, why is that important? Because the ground is a planting place. The field that he stood in was a, was a planting ground. That gives you a picture of what we need to do in our own, in our own life over our own heart. We've got to protect our heart. We've got to cover our heart. We've got to fight for our heart. We've got to make sure our heart stays uh, clean. We've got to determine that our heart stays soft. We've got to determine that our heart stays ready for God's Word to be planted on the inside. Proverbs 4.23, if you've got your Bibles, I'll get you to turn with me there. We're in church, so hopefully you've got your Bibles. Best place to have them. And verse 23 says, keep, or some versions say guard. So guard or keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. But I just want to go back a couple of verses before that to verse 20. Who can read out to me verse 20 in Proverbs chapter 4? No one. I, I could hear a voice, but I didn't know where it was coming from. Yep, let's go again. My son. My son, give attention to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. There's a difference between hearing and listening. There's a difference between focused, focused hearing, tuning in to hear. All the married couples in this room would know that. Sometimes when you'll be talking and your wife will say, what did I, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm listening. It happens the other way too, sometimes, not very rarely. She thinks because I'm on my phone, I'm not listening. It's not always true. But there's a difference between intently listening. So it says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear. Is that what it says? Incline your ear to my sayings. Tuning in to hear his voice. Listening in, tuning in. All right, verse 21. Who's got that? No one. Yes, go, Mark. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Have you got the real Bible? Or have you got a Mormon one? No, I'm only joking. I'm only staring at you. Do not let them depart from your eyes. What, 
it's, it's listening and hearing God's word, but then it says, don't let them depart from your eyes. Is it just words on a page? Or is it what we were talking about before about seeing what God has for us? When, when we begin to hear God's word, it begins to cause vision. When God speaks to us and his word's planted in our heart, we begin to see what we couldn't see before. All of a sudden, our eyes are open to begin to see what we couldn't see. There's insight, there's foresight, there's vision when God speaks and we hear him and his word's planted, amen? All right, so, so we've got to tune in to hear. We've got to, let, we've got to make sure that we, uh, we, we have them in our sight, but it also says keep them in the midst of your heart. You know, it doesn't say your head. It's not about just remembering all the information. It's keeping it to plates to treasure things. Because your heart is where the seed's meant to be planted. You see, when the Word of God comes, your mind, your natural mind, and my natural mind will reason it and fight it. It says it in Rome. If there was a chapter in the Bible that was my go-to, that was my... That, that has shaped and formed my life the most, it would be Romans 8. And it says in there also that the carnal mind, the natural mind, is enmity against God. It's an enemy of God. It's not subject to the law of God, nor it can be. So every time God's word comes, my natural mind wants to fight it. It wants to reason it out. It wants to tell me that's not possible. Welcome to church, unusual. Welcome to a God of the impossible. I don't know the God you serve, but the God I serve is the God of the impossible. He, he, he causes things to be not as though they were. He begins to take a man with a staff and begin to part a sea that was, was a, a barrier to them. So everything that God speaks to us in our natural sense, is impossible. We've got to be able to shut down our natural thinking and begin to connect with it in our heart. You know, the other, the other cool thing it says in Romans chapter 10, I think, it says, if you confess Jesus with your mouth and believe him with your heart, you'll be saved. It says nothing about your head because your head and my head are a problem. That's why Romans 12 says we've got to renew our mind. So we need it in our heart. So we get to see it with our eyes and keep it in our heart. So 22 says, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. When we receive God's word and he's speaking to us, it's not just information that we feel good about. It begins to affect and infect our entire life, our health, our finances, our relationships. The internal dynamics that we're about to talk about shortly. It affects all that. And it says, guard or keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. You see, I think it might have even been a message that I heard Renee speak a while ago. She talked about a ship on the, on, in the ocean and how there's a storm. And that's, that's okay because there's a storm. The problem is if the storm gets inside the ship, then that's a problem. You see, we walk through life and there's storms. There's things that come against us. It says, guard your heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it spring the issues of life. The things that come against you and I aren't the issue. It's how we respond to them that makes a difference. Because either they're shaking us to make us and God's allowing it, or they're causing a shaking that begins to break us down. That's not good. So we need to find that place where, where we're guarding our heart. What do I mean? Fear. I'll give you an example. My kids, we got four of them and we lost three of them on the weekend. It was good. Two went to youth camp and one went, the other one went to stay uh, for a sleepover at Riley's house. And on Friday, that's the, my wife was taking them down Friday. And I'm not a really nervous or fearful person. But for some reason, I started to, all this, all this uh, just evil 
thoughts started to come into my mind, all the fearful things of what could happen while they're away. And I thought, this is crazy. So I actually physically, I actually literally did this. I was on the roof, because I build sheds. Tim's got me working real hard. And I'm building sheds and I'm roofing. And I just have to stop and say, God, I break every fearful thought. I break every voice of fear coming against my mind right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. I, I put, I, God, I thank you that I can put them into your hands. I can trust them in your hands. And that was it, done. I was at peace. But, but if I hadn't done that, it's like your mind can begin to run away with you. And why is that? Because something's got in there that's not accurate. Something's coming out of your heart that's, that's just not quite right. It's a fear, a fear of loss, a fear of what could happen, whatever it is. And, and I don't think you're that different from me. And I'm, I'm a pastor. Whoa. I'm still human. You know, you, you can have these things in our hearts. And God, you know, we're in a season of time, and I might be jumping ahead in my notes, but we're in a season of time where God is allowing the issues of our heart to, to begin to be surfaced. Why? Because he's doing that to begin to deal with those areas that we need to deal with. So we've got, to car, we've got to guard and keep our heart. There's three possibilities that we can do with this scripture. The first thing is, we just go, oh yeah. And our heart is completely exposed to whatever comes and it's contaminated by the world. And this is the state that we're in before we find Christ. We don't know about this stuff. So our heart is pushed and pulled and, and manipulated and moved by everything that comes against us and comes our way. And, and, and we can be shifted and moved by things that happen. You know, things can happen in your life and you get, we can be buffeted now, but, but if, we, if we don't guard our heart, it can really begin to affect you. It can begin to unravel you. That's how it can feel like. So that's the first thing. We just don't, we, we, we let our heart be completely exposed. The other thing we can do is go to the other end of the spectrum. Oh, Pastor Simon, I've, I've guarded my heart. I've fortified that sucker like there's no tomorrow. I'm guarding my heart. Is There's nothing getting in there. The problem is the scripture doesn't say fortify your heart. It doesn't say imprison your heart. It says guard it. Because often what we can do is we can set up structures in it on the inside to protect ourselves. And it can be for all the right reasons. You see this with, I've, I've seen this so many times with people in, in, in uh, bad situations. They, they create a protection around their heart to, to survive. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But the problem happens when the situation changes and the structures remain. What was set up to protect has now become a prison. What was set up to keep things out still keeps things out, but it keeps everything out. And we're not meant to be that way. Bible doesn't say fortify your heart. It says guard your heart. Yeah, if I can give you a picture, I'm talking a lot about shows and God talks to me through shows and movies and stuff. If I write, watch the right stuff, Dave. But if you've seen the movie The Blind Side, it's, 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 we don't really, I don't know American football very well. I'm assuming you don't know either. But the quarterback is the player and they pass the ball to them and they've got to pass it off. And there's a, there's a job of the, there's, a, there's two guys in particular, one guy specifically, if it's a right-handed quarterback, they talk about the left tackle. Because if he's a right-handed quarterback, he's throwing like this. This is his blind side. So the person on his left, his left tackle, has, the, has probably the most important job of the whole team, and that's to protect the quarterback from what he can't see coming. And it's this picture. I want you to get this picture in your head. This is what we've got to, if the quarterback's like our heart, we've got to protect our heart. No matter what comes next, we are driving that thing into the ground. We are sending it back to hell where it came from. We are, not, we, are, we are allowing God to flow to us, but we are stopping everything else that comes our way. 
The other reference, the other picture I want to show you or get in your head is a great movie. It's called Remember the Titans. Fantastic movie. I've learned over the years, I don't recommend movies. It's very dangerous. But I can recommend that one. Remember the Titans. And there's one, there's one moment, I think it was the final game, and the quarterback of the, of the season had been injured. And they needed, to do a major, they needed to do a major play. They needed to pull something out of the hat because the other team had their measure. And so they put the injured quarterback in. And the other team's like, what's going on? And the, and the stand-in quarterback, his job was just to protect that injured guy. And all they had to do was get the ball to him and he was just gonna run down the line. And it's such a good picture. I don't know what's going on. But the, quarter, the, other, the standing quarterback's not a big guy, right? So, so the injured one is just running down the field, right on, right on the sideline. And the, and the standing quarterback, his job is to protect him. Skinny bloke, he's running right beside him. And, and there's guys coming all across. And he's going, there's, some, there's times there where he's going, bang, smacking him down with his helmet and his shoulder, putting his shoulder into it. And I thought, that is the picture. We need to guard and keep our heart with that kind of tenacity, that kind of discipline, that kind of determination. Because what does the word actually say? It says, keep or guard your heart with all diligence. It means you can't be half-hearted about it. You can't just think, oh, today I'll do it, tomorrow I'm having an easy day. It's not like one of your diets. You don't do diets like I do them. Corey and I operate from the same diet. Seafood diet. We see food and we eat it. So, so this is the picture. You want to protect your heart. You want to guard your heart with everything you've got. Why is it? Because out of your heart flow the issues of life is what the Word says. So right now I believe that we're in a season of time where there, is, there are internal dynamics not a couple, all of us, that God's allowing to bring up even what he's doing, he's, he's, he's actually setting it up so that they rise. I don't know if you've ever felt this, but I've felt like God, sometimes God sets you up. You pray a crazy prayer like, God, have your way in my heart. And he goes, heard you, got you, all over it. It's like the, the joke they say, pray, don't pray for patience because God will give you opportunities to be patient. God, I just want some patience. He gives you opportunities to be patient. You know, we've got to be careful what we pray for because God will answer our prayer. But he's allowing things to happen around us, all of us, to cause there, there to be a rising of the internal dynamics in us. You know, I was going to say, hands up. No, I won't say hands up. If you feel like there's stuff that's in there that's been rising that you just don't like, the look of it. Yeah. Because, it's, because God's allowing it to happen. Why? Because he wants to work with you, partner with you to begin to remove that out. There's internal dynamics that want, that, that want to circumnavigate, to short circuit what God wants to do in our heart. So we, so going back, there's three ways to deal with that scripture. We don't do it. We, we, we imprison our heart. Or thirdly, we follow the scripture. We learn to guard and keep our heart. Your heart needs to be free to pursue and chase after God with everything you've got. But we've got to guard it and keep it from the things that want to come against it. So there are internal dynamics that rise. How do I know this? Matthew chapter 13. Let's go there. How, how are you going? Is this all right? Too bad because this is all I got. Matthew 13, verse 24 says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, do you not, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. 
The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles and burn, to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. You see, when there's a harvest, you begin to see the fruit. It's hard to tell sometimes what's it producing, what's it producing. Look at the fruit. What are, what are certain things in our life and our heart producing? You can always tell by the fruit. So, that we're, so I said before, we're in a season where God is revealing the harvest so we can deal with the inaccuracies in our lives. Because he wants to stop us short-circuiting what he wants us to do. So how do we deal? How do we deal with these dynamics? And what sort of things am I talking about? This is not a comprehensive list. Things like fear. Struggle with control. Struggle with trust. Anxiety. Which is still a form of fear. Unbelief. These are some of the things that can be, be uh, you know, tears in our heart. And you can find them, like I found like just the other day, like I said to you, just sort of come up out of nowhere. It doesn't mean that you, oh my gosh, what's going on there? No, it, just, it can just be that the enemy is coming and sowing, trying to sow seeds. And you've got to learn to cut it off. Other things you can say, you can feel like God's doing a bit of a work in your heart. There's stuff coming up. That's okay because he wants to deal with it. So how do we deal with these dynamics? Four points this morning. First and, first and foremost, the church as a whole, don't talk about this very often, and it's not a subject that, we, that the church likes to talk about because it's not well received in the general populace, but it's the only way forward, and that's repentance. Firstly, we need an attitude of Repentance. We need to have an attitude of repentance. The first time that we come and find Christ, we repent of, of our sin before him and, for, and, and ask for forgiveness. But then when we go on the journey of Christianity, we can think repentance was back for back then. No, repentance is a regular occurring daily thing, I would say. Why? Because I'd say, let's learn to keep short accounts with Jesus and short accounts with one another. If you think for a second that something's not right, in your heart, with God, deal with it. Don't wait. What are you waiting for? Waiting for the 90-day, this is overdue, Bill? Or we, or we just got to do with it, deal with it. The moment that you think there's something's not right between you and your brother or your sister, fix it. Sometimes those things just get fixed in ourselves. Sometimes we need to go and talk to someone. You know, I, I, I love, I learned to do this. I do this in my, well, I do this in our marriage and I do this with the guys at our church. If I ever think that there's something not right you know, in a relationship, I say, are we all right? Are we okay? Because maybe it's something that I've done, but maybe it's not. So don't come in, hey, what's your problem? Are we okay? Because if we're not okay, let's fix it. Because life's too short to have long accounts. Life's too short not to fix things. We need to, have, we need to be clean in our heart. We've got to deal with, with this. So an attitude of repentance has got to be the basis of it. Second, secondly, worship. Worship. Mate, you, you guys come here, you have an awesome opportunity to worship God the way you did this morning. But you, it shouldn't just be on a Sunday. But when we, when we do have that opportunity, can I, can I encourage you, learn to go further. Learn to go a little bit further. You know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be giant steps. It can just be little, little bits. And maybe for you, you've never, you're not used to and you've never really raised your hands in worship. You, you just, just look to be, begin to look to go a bit further. To say, hey, I just want to raise my hands. Why do we raise our hands? There's a couple of reasons. One, because they, I've heard it said when you're at school and you know the answer, you put your hand up. 
So we put our hand up because we know who the answer is. Second thing is, if the, or not that the cops have ever done this with me, but if they pull the, pull the gun on you and say, hands up, why? It's, a, place, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a position of surrender. To go, God, I know lots of things, but I don't know how to deal with this one. God, have your way in me. God, have your way in my heart. See, you know, we often get stuck. God, can you fix that person? God, can you deal with this situation? Can you sort this out? God goes, well, I'm just waiting for the, for the revelation to say, God, change me. God, deal with my heart. And that may not be the entirety of the problem, but often that's what God wants to do is deal with our heart. So learn to go a little bit further in our worship. Don't just worship him to your comfort level. You know, when they say, when the, when, the, when the worship leader says, come on, let's, you know, we're singing about dancing. We're all singing about dancing. Yeah, we're going to dance, 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 dance. You liar! We're singing about dancing, but we're not moving an inch. Oh, oh I feel like, uh, I don't know about this guy now. You know, some of us aren't used to dancing. Have you ever, I don't know, some of you, many of you would know Pastor Shea. He dances different. He's black, so he's got moves, man. I'm just, I'm just stuck. I, I've often said to my wife's family that I'm, black, I'm a black man in a white man's body. Well before my time, Dave, in our current culture, I could get away with that now. But just, gosh, you guys are so, some of you are so serious. Like, gosh, learn to have a bit of, you're allowed to have fun in church. It's okay. If we're singing about dancing, but somewhere between the words on the screen and what we're singing, there's a, there's a gap in reality. We're singing about dancing. Then I'll, I'll put this to you. If we're singing about dancing, but we're not moving, are we, can we be sure that when we're singing about God, I give you my heart, that we're actually doing that? Oh, yeah, for sure, Pastor Simon, because that's what we do. I heard, I've heard this great quote that Christians are the, the greatest liars. They sing and they don't do. And, it's not, and, and, and that's, that, is a, that is a quote. Probably not exactly right. My paraphrased version. But you know what? Sometimes we sing. It, we, we sing because that's what we want to be like. That's what we want to do. We want to declare those things to be like that in our life. And the more that we do it, that's why, that's why you know, in, at City Builders, sometimes we sing the songs for so long. Some people, some new people come in and go, man, you sing songs for a long time. You sung that chorus 28 times. Not that I was counting. <laughs> why do we do that? Because sometimes what we're doing is we're getting people into a place where what they're singing is, is like a, a prophetic declaration over their life and we're singing it and we're singing it and we're singing it until it begins to break open over their life. So you see, you've got to learn to take your worship a little bit further. It's great to come in. Hey, you guys have got it great. We've got like 20 people. Regularly on a Sunday. 25 if everyone turns up. 30 if we've got a couple of visitors. And we're like, whoa, whoa, revival, man. But you know what? We are experiencing a movement in our worship just as much as you. Because, it, because you know what? When, when we worship, we're not singing songs. We are, but we're not just singing songs. When we worship, we're engaging with heaven. When we worship, we're partnering with the angels. We're beginning to shift things in the atmosphere. You see, it's not about the number of people. It's about how we connect with heaven. So, so when it comes back to a place of worship in this place, and, you, and like I said before, you don't have to just wait for it on a Sunday. In your own bedroom, in your own lounge room, you can begin to lift your heart up and worship him. You know, maybe you're not used to um, expressing yourself in that way in front of people. It's really, I've got a really great way of overcoming that. Close your eyes and then all of a sudden there's no one there. But seriously, the more that we can 
engage our God consciousness rather than our self-consciousness, we'll, we'll begin to step out in a, in a place of worship. Why, why, so what are we talking about? Why are we doing that? Because when we do that, there's an exchange that begins to take place. The things that I'm struggling with on the inside, I'm beginning to hand over. Corey mentioned about bringing our burdens, casting our cares and our burdens on Him. Because when we come, we, we trade that for what we, that's what we've got. But he begins to, there's an exchange that takes place and he begins to give us what we need. And he takes us further. So we need an attitude of repentance. We need to learn to go just a little bit further in worship. Every one of us can go just a little bit further. Just a little bit further. Just a little bit further. You know, there's been many times, not in this building, but in this group of people and city builders where Years ago where I've been involved, I grew up in the church, I've heard angels engaging with us in worship. This is what, God, this is what we're called to. This is the place that we're meant to live, not just sing songs. So learn to go a bit further in worship. Thirdly, the Word, His Word. We've got to learn to give the Holy Ghost Material to work with. I said before I build sheds, it's really hard to build a shed if you rock up and there's no, no bits there. When, when we engage with, with his word, when we read his word, when we allow his word to, to be put in our heart, we are giving the Holy Ghost material to work with. We're giving the Holy Spirit material to build our life with. You know, people that are really, there's, there's people out there that are what I would call super spiritual, but they're not really grounded in the Word. They're a bit sort of freaky. Thank you, Renee. I, I'm, I'm receiving that laugh. No one else has given me nothing. But they're a bit... Wacky. You know why? Because they're not grounded in the Word. It's, we've got to be grounded in the Word. We've got to, we've got to connect with His Word because when his, his Word is the building blocks, His Word is the building material to build your life with. All the stuff I'm talking about this morning is coming out of His Word. I may not be quoting Scriptures, but it's all there. I can, come to me afterwards. I can say it's here, it's here, it's here, it's here. It's all in Romans 8. It's all in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's all in Romans 12. It's all in these places where, where it's His Word needs to be built on the inside of us. And the Holy Ghost takes that Word and begins to build something in your life. You see, His Word needs to become my reality. You see, sometimes we read the Bible and, we, and, and in our own mind and in our own heart we say, that's not my experience. And what we do with that is very, after, what we do after that, that, that moment is very, very pivotal. Because we either say, that's not my experience, and my experience is elevated above his word, or I go, that's not my experience. God, help this to be my experience. I've got to change my life so that it is my experience. Because your word is truth. If his word is true, then I've got I've to see my experience change. Does it mean that you're lying, that that hasn't been your experience? No, not at all. That's not an issue. But the issue is, what are you going to do about it? Is your experience going to be elevated or is his word going to be true? And you go, I need to change my experience. There are, there are plenty of scriptures that I've read over the years that, are, that haven't been my experience. And yet over the course of the last 20 odd years, 20, 30 years, getting old, 30 years, God's, God's been working and building and shaping and molding and changing my heart and my life so that now I can read some of them and go, I have seen that be my experience. I've seen that be my experience. I've seen that be my experience. And my experience changed. 
The fourthly, relationship. I'm just going, excuse me, I know it's not holy, but I'm just going on Facebook. Not you, you're not allowed to go on Facebook, you need to listen to me. You know, I always find this, I happened at a party recently, I said, oh, there's a really good, funny meme I had, and I gotta find it, can, you, can I find it? No. It's one of those times I decided not to save it. And the same things happened this morning. But it goes something like this, that God gave us the greatest gift. It's relationship. We have the greatest gift because we have relationship. He sent Jesus to die for us, to die for our sin, to, to, to pay the price that we couldn't pay. What was the purpose? So that he could have relationship with us. Is that... That's it, that's, that's the done and done. So he could bring us on the journey of sonship. So we could all become like Christ. And all of us are at different stages and phases and, and all of that. But you know what? It's relationship. He loves you. So we need relationship with God the Father. We need relationship with Jesus. We need relationship with the Holy Ghost. But we also need relationship with one another. Because one thing that I've realized is that the cross is made up of a vertical stick, if I can say that, and a horizontal one. So we need to have a connection with Christ. We need to have a relationship with God, but we also need to have relationships with one another. Our transformation is not a solo thing. If, I'm, if God is causing a transformation to take place in me, it's never gonna just affect me. It's gonna affect all of those around me. And, it, and likewise, if someone else is having a transformation experience in their life, it's gonna begin to affect me. So our transformation is not a solo thing. <coughs> At this juncture, can I just say warning? Familiarity breeds contempt. When I was learning to drive, my dad drummed this into me. Familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. And, and I, I looked at, I know, I know what it means, contempt, but I'm like, what does it mean? And, there's, and really in this instance, it's talking about willful disregard. And why did he talk to me about that when I was learning how to drive? Because you can get so used to driving on a certain road for so long. You've done it so many times before. You have a willful disregard for what might be there that's out of the ordinary. You know how much I prepared this message? I looked this up. I thought it was a statistic, but I looked it up. The majority of car accidents happen within a short, within a short distance from people's homes. Why is that? Because... After a certain point, people might be different about the roads that they're used to traveling on. Why do I bring that up now? Because sometimes we can have a willful disregard for what might be different in one another. Oh, I've known that person 20 years. Great. What does God say? Who does God say they are? What's, what's, God, what's God doing in them at the moment? What's God speaking to you about through them? Oh, you're a pastor, yeah, and I can learn from everyone. Because one thing I've learned is everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a story. But you know what? The danger with us Christians that have been around for a while, we still tell the story of how God impacted and changed our life 20 years ago. And that's great, but what's he doing today? What did he do last week? What did he do last month? We cannot afford to be familiar with the presence of God. We cannot afford to be familiar with the Holy Ghost. But we can't afford to be familiar with one another either. You see, I know a pillar or 
foundation block in this church, in City Builders, is honour. Is, is the code of honour. And really what that is, is being able to look at one another the way God sees them. So if we truly look at one another the way God sees them, we'll see the character of God. We'll see what God's doing. Now, you know what? Someone might be struggling at the moment. And, they, and, and you know, it's their, their valley time. It's all right. But we still need to be able to honour one another. We've got to be able to do this. You know, I saw, I, I saw this quote for husbands. Christian husbands show how much they love Christ by the way they treat their wife. Wow. That's challenging. Christian husbands show how much they love Christ by the way they treat their wife. Now, that's challenging for anyone. Because he said, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he laid his life down for that. You can do lots of things. You can achieve lots of stuff. But relationship is what it all comes back to. You can have all, everything the world wants to give you, but if, you, know, you see it all over the place. People, they have all this stuff. But their family's a mess. Their relationships are, are destroyed and messed up. Their whole, their whole relational dynamic in their life is dysfunctional. And they're alone. We don't want to be like that. Amen? And no, one's, no one here is like that. That's good. Finish on a positive note. Still learning that sandwich process, Corey. Finish with something positive. No, no, honestly... Relationship is the most important thing that God ever gave us because whether, we've, whether we're on a high or whether we're on a low, we always have got that. We can always come back to him. We can always say, you know, we can feel like God's far away. But I tell you, you the moment that you humble your heart, man, he's there in an instant. He can seem like he's gone, but then he's right there. He's never gone. Because he said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He'll always be there. That's relationship. That's the God that we serve. So we've all got internal dynamics that we're going to have to deal with. We've all got internal dynamics that we have to deal with. The issue isn't have we got them. The issue is are we going to deal with them and how are we going to deal with them? And, and why does God want us to deal with that? Because when we deal with those things, it brings us closer to him and it brings us closer to one another and it begins to take us further on our journey. You become more and more like him. We were never meant to. See, he is the same yesterday, today and forever, but we're not. So we need an attitude of repentance. We need to look to go further in worship. We need to give space for his word to be planted in our heart. And we need to pursue those relationships with him and with one another that begin to really undo and unravel the things that have tried to, the tears that have, that have, been, that have grown in our heart that have tried to choke what God wants to do. Remember to guard your heart with all diligence. That's the, that's, the, uh, that's the word this morning. Guard your heart with all diligence because we all have the same issue. We're all human. We all have a heart that, wander, that can wander if we don't keep it on, on track. Amen? So I don't know what you guys normally do, but I'm just gonna do whatever I want. Um, I just want to ask you this morning if there's some things I, I, I may not necessarily come and pray lay hands on you I don't, I don't necessarily think that that's needed it may, it may be for certain people 
that if you feel like there's stuff that you need to lay on the altar, this is the altar this morning. There's stuff that you need, you know that, that you've got to deal with. Hey, there, there's, there may be stuff in, that you feel like is rising in your heart, but you go, I, don't, I, I just don't know how to practically deal with this. That's okay, because this is how you do it. This is how, one way how you do it. You come and you give over. Say, God, take this. God, I give over to you. God, have your way in my heart. God, deal with every inaccuracy in me. You know, this is not a new thing. David prayed it. He said, search me, O God, try me. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is a prayer from David. But sometimes we get so churchified and so Christianized that we go on this journey and we forget all these things. The greatest treasure that God can find for you is, is your heart. You see, we, we used to say at the, at the tithes and offerings, God doesn't want your money, he wants your heart. He'll take your money as well. <laughs> at least they're laughing. But he cares about your heart. See, if he's got your heart, then everything else isn't a problem. So this morning, I just want to open the altar. Open it up. No one's looking, no one's judging. If you're looking and judging, that's your problem. But I really believe there's a place here this morning for us to come and begin to let go of some stuff. You know, I want to say this too, that this is a year of transformation. I, I, I've had this word, I, the word that we got for, for our guys in Maui is the year of breakthrough. So it's pretty much the same. But I haven't been able to shake this sense from the beginning of the year that no matter whether you've been struggling with things for, for a, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, or decades. The word decades just, just, um, it's like a, it's just like exploding in my mind this year. Even if things that you've been struggling with for decades, this is the year that it's going to break off. This is the year of breakthrough. This is a year of transformation. What is transformation? It comes from that word metamorphosis. It's irrefutable, irreversible, undeniable change. Never going back. You never see a, a butterfly going back to a caterpillar. It doesn't happen. So this morning, just come. If there's things that you just want to let go of, if there's things that you know that need to be dealt with, just come. Maybe I should say this too. If there's things that you think make sense to what I'm saying, but you don't actually know if there's anything that needs to change in you, just come. Because you need to. Because there's internal dynamics in all of us that must be uprooted and changed. Amen. Father, come. Father, come. God, we just come to your altar this morning. We've worshipped, we've sung, we've lifted our heart to you, but right now we come to your altar to do business with you. We come to let go of the things that are holding us down, holding us back. Lord God, we come to, to, to hand over to You the things that we're struggling with, the things that are, that are limiting us. 
God, we come to Your altar, Lord God, to worship You, but to hand over to You this morning. God, I pray that You would meet every heart this morning. You'd meet every need this morning, every every person that comes to respond this morning. Lord God, that You would meet with them. Lord God, that there'd be a great exchange that would take place. We exchange this morning what we have for what You have. We exchange this morning with what we are struggling with to what You have for us to break through. God, let this be a moment of transformation. Let this be a moment of transformative change. Not because we uh, want it so bad, not because of such great prayer, but because this is what's in your heart to do. God, have your way. God, have your way. In every heart, in every life, in every relationship. In Jesus' name. Just as we're worshipping there, the, the word, two words that I got were limiting factors. And I just want to pray this morning right now to break every limiting factor of your life this morning. God, I just pray that every limiting factor would be broken off. Every heart and every life in this place. Lord God, that there'd be no limitation to their forward movement. Lord God, I just thank You. Lord God, we break it in Jesus' name. Lord God, I thank You. We just release Your name above every other name. Lord God, over every life this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.